All right, hello guys. Welcome to another episode of Looney Sports. I'm Eric Demetrius Mason. Joining me on Darnell Jones. What's up, guys? And today, Dom, my guy, can't join. He will be back tomorrow, so we will be excited for that. But let's jump into these games, and we're gonna start all the way back on Sunday with the Clippers beating the Mavs 106-81, an ugly beatdown of the game. Kawhi Leonard led the way, 29 points, 10 rebounds. Paul George with 20 points as well, but it was the defense that was really the story. Obviously, as we know, Luka had an injury at the end of game three, and he was clearly hampered, not for 24 to 19 points from him. During this try with 18, but the Mavs struggled from three, shooting five of 30, 16% of our stress from what they did in L.A. So, Tarnell, what did you see out of this one? Yeah, I think before the game, both of us picked the Clippers to win this one. I think Dom was the only one to go with the Mavs, but so I'm not here to, so he's not here for me to, you know, bust him down about that one. So that's a little disappointing, but the the Clippers look like they kind of figured out something, right? I think substituting, taking Zubak off the floor and inserting Nicholas Batum into the starting lineup and kind of going small. I think it kind of unlocked something for the Clippers. It gave them that extra ball handler, and it just allowed Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to get the ball in where they really need the ball in, in their spots. You saw a dominant Kawhi Leonard all game. You saw Paul George in the third quarter kind of go 13 straight, just mid-range jumper after mid-range jumper, creating for itself doing what the Clippers normally do. And they're getting good minutes from Rondo off the bench. Obviously, we, we all know that. And for the Mavs, it's got to be a better Porzingis. It's as simple as that. With a hobble, Doncic, if he's not going to play at an all-star level and be at the or a superstar level and be the best player on the floor, then the Mavs are an overmatched team. And we know that. So for the Mavs to have a chance to – kind of gain the momentum back in this series, they're going to need Porzingis to be big. And so far, he's not been. And Tim Hardaway is another guy who they're going to need some big shots from. He was 0-4 from 3, 1 of 8 overall. That's just not getting it done. And all of the, the contributors, they just got to be better as a collective because it's going to be a tall task to get back in the series, even though it's tied up 2-2. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we saw Cleve out there celebrating game three when it looked like it was over. It looked like they were about to sweep them. We saw Hardaway going mm -hmm. crazy. Both those guys combined 0 for 7 from deep, 1 of 11 from the field. Finney not much better. He was 2 for 5 from deep, but 3 of 9 from the field. Jacob is decent, but 3 for 9, not what you want. And so, I mean, if everyone else wants to start struggling, Brunson off the bench 2 for 8. And we know, you know what I'm going to say. Josh Richardson, he stinks. Two for seven. <laughs> Supposed to be the guy who can kind of guard somebody, and anytime they put him near Kawhi, it's just a wrap. So you can't do it. And you know, right now, obviously, they miss they miss Curry. They really do. Um, and you would think, and maybe you try to play Burke more, but he also over four. They got a lot of issues now. They dusted off Boban for this one. He's a plus three out there. I mean, mm -hmm. two minutes, twelve points, but I mean. And Luca obviously, you know, is not going to be the best, you know, like we were saying, like I've been saying, like a future top 10 all-time player. This is what happened. This is why you, this is why Luca's been so impressive this postseason. He, it's not just because he's been scoring 
35, basically giving him 34, like nine eyes, because he has to for them to have any chance to win. And as you see, he does it this game and lose by 25. Oh, one thing I will say, though, Luca, man, you can't go out there and be 0 for 5 from the free throw line. I don't care what else happened. Breeze, you can miss. But you can't go 0 for 5 from the free throw line. Because now I can't even I can't even laugh at Ben Simmons if you won't do it, too. So I've got to clean that up a little bit. But, I mean, like, like we said, man, like you said, the Clippers figured it out. I, 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 as soon as I saw the Clippers get back in game three, I was like, oh, Rondo figured it out. And again, you see it. He's out there, 20 minutes plus 14, consistently giving you that. But the big thing that I didn't even think about doing, that's how he was done. We knew that Pat Bev and Zubats had to leave, right? Talked earlier about mm-hmm. how Luke was trying to find them on switches. He was finding both of them. Definitely was. But to put them off the court, we just didn't know for who. And I was saying earlier, he had the two minutes to play. Um, but him on defense, you saw four steals, two blocks. I didn't think he could be a center, but it's a small ball league. Now, Porzingis is just going to be relegated to never actually get into the rim and shooting turnaround jumpers. And again, you see it, he's not the best rebounder, five of them, even though he's tall. It really doesn't matter if, if Batum's a lack of, you know, lack of great rebounding ability because everyone, like we saw Paul George had nine, Kawhi with 10, Morris is a solid rebound with eight. He's got a box out for Zingas. He got five. Box out, box out for Zingas. And then get some steals on defense. And you see plus 27, 36 minutes. He was out there with Kawhi a lot. And they just work together because with him and Kawhi out there, you see he's obviously a ball handler, plays very good defense, and he's not a liability. So Kawhi is room to move. Um, before we move on, this, so what we're seeing right now, you've seen two, two kind of different series from one and two and three and four. All, all I will say Ty Lue looks pathetic right now. Looks like a prophet out there saying <laughs> the Mavs are going to shoot worse at home, which I everyone laughed at, including me. I mean, they did it. I got nothing to say to that. Paul George saying he wasn't worried, even though he didn't believe it, but he still said it. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely didn't believe it. You can look at it. He looked definitely worried. Man, it looked like, oh, I'm about to get blamed again. I really had 28, but Hey man, you can get 20 if you get 20 point wins. No one, no one says a word to you. Um, so in a weird way, I mean, and obviously Rondo with the shadow match. But one thing I will say is Kawhi. Everyone was talking about how he needs to be more of a leader, lead by example. How he needs to be more of a leader, more of a vocal leader. Obviously, all of that was getting taken into question over those first two games. It looked like that was about to be done, even though he was snapping, like we said, 36 and 41. I believe he went crazy. But this is the this is the guy that people thought, like, is this possibly best player in the league? Because now that he's getting the ball in his spots, there's nothing you can do with him. And we didn't see – we saw this last year until down the stretch, right? And this mm-hmm. is why they needed a Rondo, someone to get them more in their spots in those late-game situations because what they were trying to do is they were trying to go out there with Lou and they just weren't getting the ball in the right place. They were getting at the top of the key. He was having to dribble, dribble, start the offense, him or Paul George. But and we again haven't seen him in a clutch situation, so I don't want to look too much into that yet. But this is the guy, this is the Kawhi that the, the Clippers thought they were getting, right? Like this is the guy who is going to be the best player in most series, who just is an unstoppable machine because he's just never gonna miss. He just hasn't missed all series. The dude's just gonna shoot six percent, mid-range jumpers. What do you do with that? Right. 
What are your thoughts on like Kawhi this series? I think Kawhi's been amazing, and all of the, but I got to preface it with saying that Kawhi Leonard's not. He's not the best player in the league. I think most people would agree with that. I don't think, but I think he's dominant enough to be the best. We've well, we've seen he's good enough to be the best player on the championship team, mm-hmm. and. The way he is on offense, he's not hes not the defender he used to be. I think part of that is due to his age. Part of that is due to his role offensively and what they're asking of him. And I think offense, so from that standpoint, he's giving you all that you really can ask for, right? He gave you 41 in the loss, so it's not like he's not going out swinging and he's not folding down the stretch. This is what you expect to see from a superstar. And Kawhi Leonard is definitely in that category as one of those players. He's proven it. He's proven it that he can get it done on the big stage. So until I know a lot of people are wondering, can the Clippers get back and win this series? But I'm interested to see what happens next round if they do, because if if the Clippers can get past the Mavs, then it's wide open again. And the Clippers have just to get a chance as anybody. Yeah. No, yeah, completely. Especially we'll talk about it with the injuries from that other team. They're looking a little bit of danger, more danger than I thought they would be in on this morning. Um, but real quick, last thing about this this game. From Luca, do you think it was more the injury? Do you think it was the fact that defensively now they have switches on him where it's not like Reggie's a stronger guy, but whom obviously He's used to be a great wing defender, and he's, he's older now, but he still can stay out there without getting abused. Do you think it's been more the Clippers' defense stepping up, or do you think that the injury kind of held Luka down this game? Or do you think he just had a bad game? He's allowed to have one bad play. I think it's a combination of all of those. I think he's allowed to have a bad game. I think part of it is him having to labor through the injury. You didn't see him play the amount of minutes that you normally see, like, down the stretch, he just sat out the whole fourth or at the end of the fourth quarter. It was pretty much out of out of the – the game was pretty much over, but yeah. they they still could have put him out there a few extra minutes, but they were trying to preserve him. And it looked like he was being bothered by the injury because every time you see him, like, jog back down court, you see a grimace on his face. So I would think he would be better – in game five, just because he pretty much has to be. I don't think he's going to go 0 for 5 again from the free throw line. So it's, it's, it's a combination of all of those because there is something to the switching that they can now do for the Clippers not having a traditional big out there because we saw how much the five and the, the one and the five were getting abused. By Doncic, and those were the two substitutions that Tyloo made, and they've been paying dividends so far. Mm-hmm. I think one thing with Luca, right? As you know, as we go on, um, this is going to be oof. if they end up losing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to be his fault. I think the main reason if the Mavs end up losing this two zero lead will be because they don't have a second star for real. Porzingis can be tall which is cool, and he can give you 18, which literally is what he did all last postseason for them. 
you're like, oh, he's giving us like 18, like 22, 23. That's perfect. But eventually you do need someone to have 30. And Tim Hardaway has been that guy more than Porzingis this series. And you see, but Tim Hardaway is not a star. He went one for eight. You know, this is not, he's just not that guy. Um, but for Luca specifically, we've seen it with other MVP candidates, MVPs recently. Kind of a newer trend in the league. I don't think this used to happen a lot in the NBA with the super superstars. He's having this fat guy series. He, you know, we always talk about how he doesn't look like he's in great shape regular season. It always looks like he's kind of hobbled. He's carrying around extra weight. He doesn't need. And now he gets hurt. And you saw Jokic didn't get hurt, but Jokic looked, you know, a couple of years ago and was like, ah, dude, you kind of, you know, getting abused a little bit out here. Embiid had injury problems for years dealing with weight. And I think for Luka, we all, you see it constantly. He always looks hurt. If you watch him in the regular season, he really does, mm-hmm. like all the time. Yeah. So comes to the postseason, and Luka, even at his young age, has already shown the ability to kick it up a notch. He's not normally taking it in the regular season, mm-hmm. um, but his body isn't ready for it. And it was ready for those first three games. And you saw it again last year he got hurt, but it was less of a focus because, you know, Porzingis was out. Right. So we didn't yeah. look as much as Luca was hurt. And yeah, he was hurt, but he was battling it with nobody and still giving you 30. But now it's like, damn, Luca, you, you know, he's only 22. Even that in mind. Right. Still a very young guy. Mm-hmm. Used to play in European leagues, probably the same weight. Never really probably used to take it all as seriously as he should. But I think that this series, stand up losing, and it's, I still would not say it's his fault. But this is just that maturation process. This is the learning curve for him. It's the one thing, right? And I think he gets hurt a little bit because of his weight. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily his weight because he can just have that kind of build to where – because you see he kind of has like – he has his shoulders to where that just might be his frame. Mm. And I think he, he could be – he could – definitely lose some body fat we all can recognize that but i don't know if he necessarily needs to be a guy that's super cut up either just because of the way he plays because he pretty much dominates the game based off his pace his ability to play slow and his size and those are two things that aren't really too reliant on weight so i think for him going forward He's going to have to take his conditioning to another level. But I don't know if that's the reason for a neck strain necessarily. Mm-hmm. Amen. So that's fair. And I'm not I'm not asking for six pack Luca. I just I just think <laughs> <laughs> I just think it would be a little bit of assistance. But moving on, amen. Someone who honestly should do the opposite of what I'm telling Luca to do. Because this guy, as we know, he's had injury problems, but he stayed healthy the one year. One season. And now that injury rearing his ugly head is the Suns. Beat the Lakers 192. Anthony Davis left at halftime with an injury. Thought, honestly, it would be worse when I saw it live because it looked like he was fouled and they didn't get the call. As again, he was like, all right, I guess it's time for me to start running into people. Um, But this game, a... He left with a quick injury to Anthony Davis, two of nine, six points. And you saw LeBron try in the fourth quarter to rev it up. But 
They were already down after a big third quarter run for the Suns. So LeBron, 25 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, but it wasn't enough. Suns end up winning the game. Don Chris Paul looked much better, 18 points, 9 assists. And Devin Booker was 17 as well. Um, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it was one of those games where everyone gave you consistency for the Suns. You got it from Aiden. He's been rebounding the ball really well this series. He gave you 14 and 17. Devin Booker, not the greatest game for him. One of five from the three-point line, five of 14 overall, 17 points. Not the efficiency that he normally produces. Chris Paul was honestly seven of 15, gave you 18, gave you nine assists, only with zero turnovers. That's the leadership that they need. And that was the biggest difference was a healthy Chris Paul. And you got the production off the bench from Cameron Payne, 13 points, even though he was a minus five. Um, it didn't matter. He, they still needed his scoring just to kind of give Chris Paul a breather yeah. out there. He only played 31 minutes. So the Lakers, they, they're they not getting the consistency from the others that they had a season ago. It's like the luck's not on their side this year. Um, so it's a lot of pressure on the LeBron Jameses and Anthony Davises of the world. And for Anthony Davis to leave with the injury, now he's out of the equation. All of the pressure is on LeBron. And like you, like you said, like in, he tried in the fourth quarter. He had 11 points in the quarter, but it wasn't enough to beat the Suns team. And he's going to have to go into scoring mode. And I know, like, like we said, the first, first game for sure, he was kind of a fill-out game for him, trying to see where he can put his imprint on the game. And now that he's kind of figured out how they're going to defend him, he's going to have to attack. And I'm looking for him to be – I'm looking at him to leave it all out there for game five. Like, even though they're not – their backs aren't against the wall and it's tied 2-2, he has to make sure he, – he can't play around. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm not expecting him to – I'm expecting him to get a lot of field goal attempts. He's just going to have to get them up. So, that's what I expect to see. Not – probably not as many assists as, as normally because – I don't know if he can put those guys in that position just with so much pressure on the line. So that's my thoughts on the game. I got a couple. Uh, Chris Paul, as we saw, this is what this is what Lucas' situation is going to be on Wednesday. But Chris mm-hmm. Paul saw him last game, him off the injury, didn't look obviously. He's had he's been interesting game one, but he had he hadn't had like a two day rest day until Sunday, right? And so that extra mm-hmm. day, you saw he looked completely different. Um, hitting those mid-range jumpers starting to look much better. Now, today it's going to be a one-day rest day, so we're going to see. But that's something to keep an eye on. But I think hopefully Chris Paul, you know, can keep this up. Booker, as you said, struggled. Hey, someone's got to shoot the ball. And from LeBron, yeah, he did take 21 shots. Um, he started shooting it a lot later, but he can't. He just can't shoot seven three. It's, it's that time, right? Um, and we assume he can rev it up there. I assume that he's going to do, he's going to give you 30, 35, but you're, you are completely correct about the, the other guys, right? Like they're not getting help from the others. And there's an interesting thing that I saw in this game. A couple of interesting things. Drummond can't be out there without AD actually. So, and they noticed it. 
um, because it, without AD in there, you now he becomes your only post threat. You can't just be completely bigger. And Aiton can handle him if it's just him. If it's him and AD and LeBron, you know, I mean, now you have three rebounders who can get a board. It's a little more difficult, and you can get some offensive boards on Aiton. That was their big advantage. But without AD in there, it's just now it's just two. Now it's just two yeah. guys, and LeBron is taking threes this game. So now it's just one, and they're like, all right, Drummond, you can't be out here. Uh, you're not doing anything. Um, and you're not stopping Aiden on the other end. So, And, again, Anthony Davis helps out with that on those rotations and things like that. Um, the other thing is Schroeder. Yikes. You know, yep. 13, eight points. He was awful. They needed him. I remember one play, and we're talking, like, momentum here. I I think it, it had gotten down to either a seven or a five point lead. And the game's like teetering. I'm looking and I'm like, oh man, the Suns might hold this game in the fourth quarter because LeBron turned it up that notch. He's like, all right, all right, all right. He's like, he saw the situation. A little disappointing that he didn't do it in the third. I guess he was still trying to see if someone would help him because he knew he needed to save it till the fourth. But he was like, all right, in the fourth, he's like, let me see if I can steal this game. And Marcus Saul played great. Hit some threes, was passing. Can I think he's got to start next game? It's the whole reason they brought him was in the and honestly, in case of this emergency, that emergency glass, they broke it, said Mark Gasol, and they threw him out there. And he was actually really good, but they're in the game. Suns are missing shots. They missed one. Schroeder gets it down there, gets a layup opportunity, and just smoked it. And then next time down the court, boom, the Suns get it right off the because you know, transition. The easiest way to score is off of either a missed layup or a turnover. Right off that missed layup, boom, 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 Devin Booker, open three, see you later. And I was like, damn, Schroeder really just sold the whole game because they they were – it was teetering and they really were about to come back to that. And he's just been – he hasn't been bad. He was good a couple games, but they're going to need him to score 15 to 20. And – this is the big thing, right? As we see the Clippers looking better, and as we see the Lakers still teetering, it's that Schroeder-Rondo. And we know Schroeder's a better scorer, I can say that. But now LeBron is trusting Marcus Gasol to do all of the point, other point guard duties, I guess point center duties, as opposed to last year where he had Rondo to help him out. And obviously, like we said, AD, I think he might have missed one playoff game. I don't think he missed any last year. That's a huge difference as well. But that's why you're seeing less production from the others, less production from those other people, is because they don't have a Rondo out there to help out LeBron. Like LeBron can pass as much as he wants, but you still need other guys who can move the ball. And Mark Gasol is going to have to be that guy. He also had a bad turnover late. It was bad. Um, yeah. It was really bad. I was like, damn, Mark. <laughs> they, all, they, all, they all got close enough. To, and Mark, you know, you don't want to blame him, but he was bad. But he was good down the stretch. But that turnover was really awful. And they're gonna have to be really crisp, really clean for this game. I I think the Lakers are gonna win, but it's gonna take a lot from LeBron. And this to me though, if I'm being completely honest, they did this to themselves with the way they came out in this game. Cause you could see it. You could see that they're just like, oh, we're just gonna turn it up at some point and win the game, right? And then they right. didn't. Yeah. But you could just feel it. I was like, and I even said, um, you know, this legendary group chat, I was talking about the game. And I was like, oh, Lakers about to be up 10 in the third. But little did I know that they, I saw Andy Davis like limp. I didn't think he was going to be gone for the rest of the game because he limps all the time. Um, but 
I was like, oh, they're just going to turn it up. And that's what they thought. And then without Anthony Davis, they just had been nothing, man. They were just like, oh, shit. Like, you know, we kind of messed around a little too much with this one. And now, as opposed to being up 3-1, even if you were up 3, because I think if they had pushed it a little bit early in the game, like, you know what I mean, played better early, and they had a lead going in halftime, even without Anthony Davis, I think, I think LeBron can get it done. Now you're looking at two more games minimum, and LeBron's already telling you he's hurt, and he's trying to conserve his energy, and now AD is out. And how, do we have any do we have any news on how long he's possibly going to be out? Is he out for the rest of the like, round now? He's got a strain. He's there. I saw that Wolves was pessimistic, or Wolves was hearing pessimistic reports about his status for game five, so – pretty much can say that he won't play game five. Yeah. The status from there is pretty much up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't been ruled out yet, mm-hmm. but there's been no timetable of a possible return either. So now you're looking at exactly like if LeBron can't get this done, you know, three, two, now you got to put a D back out there. I don't think they're going to lose the series, but obviously it's two, two. So anything could happen just like with the Clippers Mavs. Anything can happen, especially if you're going to miss your second best player for a big game five. But the bigger thing is, like we're talking about the Lakers, they, 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 they kind of, and again, that's why we talked about they wanted the Jazz. Not that the Jazz looked bad or anything. The Jazz won too straight too, but they wanted to get out of this first round with as little, you know what I mean, wear and tear as possible. And yeah. if you wanted that, you could have got the six seed. To be honest with you, could have gotten out of this out of this predicament. But, you know, now they're here, and now it's going to be a six-game series minimum. And that's just, that's, just, that's just a tough road to start the playoffs in. You look at all the teams in the East, and they're just 3-1, 3-1 sweep. You know, that's how you want to start your postseason. You look at mm-hmm. even the Jazz, 3-1, you know, I guess. I wouldn't consider them. You know, we can say no contenders yet, but and then everyone else in the West is obviously 2-2, but we thought the Lakers would be, you know, that team. And the Clippers have started to look better. That's the issue, right? And now yeah. they you could even say they needed these extra games to figure out who they can play. Because I I'm them, I'm just rolling with the two at the center until maybe we play the Lakers, maybe. But um for the Lakers, this is just we're not finding answers out, and now AD's hurt. And no one else really on this roster, I, I guess, other than Marcus Saul, stepped up to be a contributor that you would want out there. And now the question is, is do you put Drummond or Harrell in there? I think you have to put Drummond in there at this point, but that's a big issue as well. Um, and I wouldn't start either one of them. I mean, off the bench. I definitely wouldn't start either one of them. But Lakers are now kind of a mess. And they're going to need LeBron to save them for this game five, which I think he will. But that's not the situation I don't think they saw themselves in, right? No, not at all. Not at all. And it's just this is what happens, man, when you just play around your food a little too much. And I know LeBron was trying to conserve himself, but this is like like we talked about. When you look at the Mavs and you have a 20-point lead in game three, you got got to finish that because you just never know the playoffs. When you're the Lakers, you can't come out lackadaisical in a game four where you can really just bury these guys. Just put them down 3-1. You know, mm-hmm. and then you could say, man, AD, you're good for this game five. LeBron could turn up or he could not. Who knows? But now he has to. Now you're doing nice situations. That's just not really what you want. Um, but moving on, let's go to the Eastern Conference here. 
We got the where are I go? Let's go, let's go net Celtics here. Right after Tatum scored 50. Um hey man, these guys for the Nets, they really, they really just keep scoring on you. Um KD 42, Kyrie 39, James Harden, incredible 23 points, 18 assists as they end up scoring 141 on the road against Boston 126. We know Boston's hurt. They again. This game, we're missing Kevin Walker. They're missing Robert Williams. Have been missing Jalen Brown. And Tatum tried. Man had 40. <coughs> but you know what 40 isn't? 40 isn't 42. <laughs> 40 isn't 50. So <laughs> that's when he clearly needs to score for him to beat anybody um, in this situation. Hey, man. Marcus Smart, 16. Fournier, 16. What are your thoughts on this game as the Nets take a 3-1 lead? Yeah, this game was interesting because oh, I wondered. The bottle also getting thrown at Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie bottle gate. Yeah. Kyrie stepping on the logo. I told y'all that it was 4,000 fans in the first game and it will be a lot different in the second game with 17,000 fans in the arena. And we saw the result of that. We got a fan arrested ejected and banned for life for throwing a bottle on Kyrie Irving. Who had a yeah he got arrested. Mm-hmm. And we saw Kyrie Irving kind of have a bounce back game. He was awful in game three. Game four he came back 39 points, 11 rebounds. Not really the facilitator because we know that's not really his role in this team. And when James Harden has 18 assists, can't really complain about other guys not getting other guys involved. So you you take that any day. James Harden, timely baskets. Didn't really get to the free throw line as much as normally he does because it just wasn't that kind of night for him. But, yeah, he didn't really have to. We didn't really see for Boston, we didn't really see Tristan Thompson dominate the way he did in their win. So that was a major blow for them. They need Marcus Smart to hit shots. He, him and Evan Fournier both shot the same percentage from the field and from three, 33% from the field, 22% from the three-point line. That's not going to get it done. Jason Tatum shot under 50%, 10 of 22. For them to win games, he's got to be – he's going to have to have, like, career games. Like, we like this is a tall task beating a team like Brooklyn, especially when everyone has it going, so – 40 points, mostly because he got to the free throw line 17 times and made all 17. But nonetheless, an impressive stat line for him. And the Celtics are out outmatched team, so I'm not surprised at the result. And I'm interested to, to hear your thoughts on Kyrie stepping on the logo and that whole fiasco. Kyrie has been setting this up now for three days, four days. Mm-hmm. However many long he was saying, blah, 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 all this stuff. Obviously, racial slurs and everything. And he steps on the logo. Then someone threw a bottle at him. Clearly not okay. Um, not going to condone the bottle throwing at all. And Katie's like, y'all got to grow up. I just... I'm, I'm going to say this. I kind of do like the Nets more now. Because now I get it. I understand. I get it. They're just trying to troll the entire NBA. I see it now. Now that I can see it. Now, the thing is, if you're going to do that, you got to win. 
right? And like mm-hmm. saw from game three, you know, he was talking about the racial slurs, everything, blah, blah, blah. And there was nothing happened, there were less fans, and he struggled, right? And so now game four, like you were saying, more fans, the concern. Well, there were two concerns. One was that something would happen and something did. Um, fans are getting ridiculous, getting a little scary, not gonna lie. Um, and something else happened, a different scene in a later game, which we'll talk about. But the other thing was, would Kyrie obviously be better? And we they weren't serious, they weren't big questions. We weren't like, oh, Kyrie's gonna be, you know what I mean? But it's just right. the playoffs. Your legacy's being made. We just have to see it. And Kyrie went out there and he was I think AD was the best player. Kyrie was second, whatever. But they were both unstoppable. And James Harden was unstoppable too. He just only decided to take 12 shots. It's like, so what do you do? Um, and then obviously you have everything else. Big baby talking to KD, being like, or talking to Kyrie, being like, hey man, if you step on luck, you're disrespecting every Celtics player. And KD's being like, nigga, please. No, you saw that. Yeah, I saw that one. That one's pretty funny. It's like I get it now. They're they're just my my thing. Just purely on the court would be. And I'm gonna ask you this because I really don't know. They can't stop anybody, but no one can stop them. I like I'm seeing now Tatum. I I we also don't know how good Tatum is, right? Because as bad as the Wizards' defense is. And as good as we, you know, know Joel and be to be, he didn't score 50 on them. He didn't score 40 on them once, right? For a multitude of possibly, you could say, a multitude of other reasons. But that's just the case, right? And so I just wonder, the Nets, obviously, it's the same question. The Nets defense is not good, but if they just go score every time they touch the ball, and I just, I don't know how you stop any of them, let alone all three of them, I'm, I'm interested. What are your thoughts on this? Like, does this get does this series make you feel better? Because you had the Nets in the finals too. Does it make you feel better or worse? I don't think my feelings have changed. Like, I didn't expect the Celtics to have a chance against against the Nets because the Celtics have been so bad, and the Nets just have three superstars. And I think honestly, I think the real NBA Finals is next next round. If the Nets advance, which obviously I think they will, then you have Milwaukee and Brooklyn. And I think right there, I think that's the matchup that's going to show us everything we need to know about the Brooklyn Nets. Yep. Because we've seen Jason Tatum go off for 50 against the Nets. And I think everyone can agree. Giannis is a better player than Jason Tatum. And Giannis is a little more dominant in the paint. He's going to like Jason Tatum's doing it with jump shots. Giannis is doing it with dunks. So he's going to get your bigs in foul trouble. You can't, you can go small, but you're going to get punished for it. And it's going to just be a battle of two heavyweights. And I think the Nets really going to, they're really going to have to buckle down because with the addition of Drew Holiday, he can, he can bother either, a James Harden or Kyrie Irving. It's going to come down to Kevin Durant and Giannis that matchup. And hey, I'm picking the Nets to advance, but 
the way the Brooklyn, the way Milwaukee looked in the sweep, man, I'm looking like I I see it, and I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way either. Exactly. One thing I will say, even though I agree Giannis is better, he's more dominant. Um, we saw him score 50 on these guys, or sorry, 40 on these guys. But one thing he's not going to do, Tatum to get these numbers yesterday or Sunday, 17 for 17 at the free throw line. No, he's not hitting 17 of 17 from three. I mean, from free throw line. He never doing that. So it's like some of those points are going to be lost from the free throw line. Tatum has been great from the, obviously for free throw lines, a much better three-point shooter. Like you say, he's a jump shooter. That's why I don't even know how much of this I'm going to blame. Now, Tristan Thompson getting rebounds, and they stopped it last game. But that was like a huge thing, right? And that's one thing that they're just not going to be able to fix. But Tatum, I'm just watching him, and I'm like, they're there. He just keeps hitting everything and getting fouled. Obviously, at home, also, like we saw, he had like 20 on the road a couple games. I think he had 12. He left with an injury in game two at home, and we saw it in the playing game. Jason Tatum is ridiculous. Um, yeah. In the playing game, 50 game three, 40 game four. He gets a lot more calls there. So that's another thing as well. But you're right. I, I definitely I, – I actually agree with all that. I think the NBA Finals definitely might end up being this Nets-Bucks series, depending on the Lakers to me. And In their health. In their, yeah, health. their health. Completely. Yeah. Um, that's obviously the question with them. But, yeah, I, I agree because you can see you can see the path to victory for the Bucks. I, I don't think the Nets are going to score 140 on them. But then again, I don't really know because – Drew has to Drew has to play Kyrie to a draw. And then even then, it's like it's almost like yeah. Drew has to kind of play James Harden to a draw more than Kyrie. And Middleton has to play Kyrie to a draw or get close. He has to be close to Kyrie. And Giannis has to be close to Durant. He can be better than Durant. But from what I've seen from Durant recently, man, he's just complete. He, I mean, what the hell is this? Just going to score forty on you, then? All right. And this is every time you can you can even see it on the court. It's not like you forget about him, but it's like, all right, damn. Like Kyrie just doing all this dribbling. James Harden doing all this dribbling. And, oh yeah, there's KD wide open for a three splat. Or oh yeah, yeah. There's for a three. I'm gonna rotate. He's one dribble jumper bang. Or, oh, you want to go all the way and kind of get to the jumper. I'm all the way to the basket. Foul. It's, I don't know what you do. You don't do anything with them. You, so, and we know that they don't want to put Giannis on any of those primary guys. So, he's probably going to be on Blake and try to rotate. That's going to be the help. My guess is what they should do is probably not put Brooke out there, but they will try to in game one. We'll see how it works. Because Brooke can score on them, but I just don't know if you want him out there. So, it's going to be a lot of interesting crossroads. I'm excited for that series, that should go six or seven. That's going to be exciting. But I, I would tend to actually agree with you. I don't think I am too concerned with the Nets, but I will say if you letting up 120 in wins, that's a little – I don't know how duplicable that is, you know, because the Celtics yeah. aren't supposed to be this good at scoring. Then again, it's Tatum, and Tatum at home goes crazy. So I don't really know. Um, moving on though to another team, hey, amen. It's been impressive this postseason. The Hawks 
beat the Knicks 113 to 96. And in this game, Julius Randle tried seven for 19, still struggled. 23 points, seven assists, 10 rebounds. Um, a lot of garbage time points out of there for Randle. I'll say it. Um, D Rose tried, he had 18, seven to 15, but you kind of see, you know, it's only so many times he can score 34. RJ with 21, but they just don't get enough production out of everyone else. And this game, Trey Young, 27 points, nine assists, just doing what he does out there, not a total from the field. Um, Collins, though, huge performance for him. We saw obviously game two, he had zero. He came back with his possible best game of playoffs, 22 and eight. And Gallinari showed me he's another hometown warrior, 21 points from him off the bench. So what did you see out of this game four as the Hawks go up 3-1, looking to end it tonight? I just saw a team in Atlanta that just had way more firepower offensively than New York. And anytime Trey Young, Trey Young's been the best player in the series. And whenever for the Knicks to have a chance to win, they need Julius Randle to play Trey Young to a draw. And he's been getting just outplayed and outclassed. And it's simple as that. And I think, yeah, it's not, he's not, they're not in the same league right now. And I think for the Hawks, just having Gallinari come off the bench to be able to make shots and Horter to make multiple threes, they got some good minutes out of Oyeka Okongwu, who played 10 minutes and was a plus 11, gave him three assists and a steal. Like, they're just getting contributions from everybody, and everybody's giving quality minutes. And it's all complimenting Trey Young, who was 4 of 14 for three, I admit he was trying to in the series like every shot, every like shot. every shot. Like it was like, man, calm down a little bit. Like y'all will be fine. But the Hawks start a better team, and they should win this series. They're up three one. Send the Knicks home. The, the story of the Knicks has been great. They got their playoff victory, so that was nice for the city and the fans. So yeah. Let 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 the let the Hawks advance. Let them play the Sixers or whoever advances on that series. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But yeah, hey man, if do yeah. hurt, if do hurt for real, mm-hmm. they could win the next three. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That's tough. But yeah, that's my thoughts on this one. So the thing you're right, right? Trey Young was trying to end it every every shot, every three he took, because he took 14. You saw in game one where they won, he took three. But the thing about it is, I was all for it. I was all about it. I was like, please keep shooting them. And the yeah. he, the, the way that he's a lot like Steph is when he shoots them at home, make or miss, the crazy thing is. It felt like it was to the point where the Knicks players were just watching the shot, like, holy shit, please don't go in. But the Hawks players were like, this may go in, and that would be great. But if it doesn't, I'm going to get this board. And they were just getting so many offensive rebounds just because they're they're more in rhythm when he shoots that shot, right? Because they're just used to it. And the Knicks are just like, please don't shoot it. And the Hawks – from the fans to the players, we're all like, please shoot the ball. We saw yeah. earlier in the season, um, 
don't know if you were on – I know if you were on with us yet, but John Collins was complaining about the way that Trey Young was running offense. Yeah, I was on. Yeah, you remember that. And you can just see it. But, hey, he took 21 shots, 14 of them threes. But guess what Collins had this game? Six of ten, eight free throws, two offensive boards. Like, those things mean a lot to me. And that's because, obviously, as we know, with Nate McMillan in there, everything's more in rhythm. He got a couple threes up as well. He was two for three from deep. And Collins was highly efficient. But that just means that the offense is running right. Like, Bogdanovich, four for nine from three. Even though, even though he's just a four of 11, those four from, that four from nine from three is crazy. And as a team, they are I, – I honestly have to say they're the one team – I would say them and the Nets are the two teams mm-hmm. in the playoffs where they shoot the ball, and if they're missing shots – I have zero concern that they're going to start falling, like zero. Because with Trey Young being as good as he is of a passer, they're always open. They're always open. And you saw it even – so this game, what happened was they took the lead early, and then they lost it, I think, in the – they took Trey Young off the court with, like, a three-point lead, and they were down five. And the first thing I'm thinking, I'm like, bro, please put Trey Young back in this game and just win this series, right? Like, you don't want a Maverick situation – which could happen because the Knicks are going to fight with you. They're going to try and do everything possible. They ain't going to get foul calls um, just because I think the Knicks subconscious, they play you so physical that then you just start pushing them. And there's mm-hmm. a little incident at the end of the game too, um, which was interesting. But then you start pushing them a little hard and then you, they, and then they, they kind of figure out because they always play physical, how the fouls are going to work for a game to game situation. And the Hawks just aren't, aren't quite as good at doing it yet. But what we saw, what we're seeing from the Hawks is growth. Um, game three, they were fouling a lot more than they were in game four. That's why this game was a blowout. Um, Trey Young said, you know what, I'm going to shoot a bunch of threes, and everyone was with it. Um, way more than he did in game one. Their crowd even is taking this personally now um, because they heard, they heard everything about New York. And, I mean, you know, New York has had a better crowd than Atlanta in the series. But Atlanta has been top four in the league, definitely. They've been going crazy in there. They're not New York, but they're better than Fixers crowd. They're better than Nets crowd. They're better than Jazz crowd. You know what I mean? They're better than the State crowds. They've been better than all of them. LA has no crowd. The Nets have no fans. <laughs> no, well, I'll give I'll give credit to the Hawks fans. Hey man, top but, four is still top four. Whatever you want to say, yeah. about they're they are ready. And I'm just saying the, the, this next series, the reason that I I'm going to go too deep into it, but took the Hawks to beat the Sixers because I thought that the Knicks would get them ready. And we've seen now they're used to playoff basketball. They Their home crowd was loud, and they now know what it's like to go on the road in a hostile environment. They're going to find out again in game five, but they've, they've also won on the road in a hostile environment. That means a lot in the playoffs. And they now have the confidence clearly to just keep shooting the ball. And what I was going to say was when they were down by five, I was like, oh, you got to get Trey back in the game. And then what happened? This is exactly what happened. Gallinari, three. Bogdanovich, three. Horter, three. Bang, bang, bang. All in a row. And I think, I don't remember, someone else hit another one. So they just had 12 straight points off of just four just boom, 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 threes. And you're just like, damn, all right. Well, and like I said, man, the saying, these dudes walk with the clip. They walk with the clip out there. They got snipers. And it's a problem. And they are, I would say, the deepest shooting team in the league, right? 
Like just with mm. the amount of shooters they have. They really got five dudes who can just consistently hit threes on a game-to-game basis. Maybe six. It depends on what you think of Lou. But they got Collins, Trey, Porter, Bogdanovich, Gallinari. No other team has firepower like that. No other team, just from pure shooting standpoint. And you saw with Aganu, um, Okaganu, the rookie. Okaganu. thank you. The rookie that they drafted, I, I had to look him up. I was like, oh, he's their first-round drafter from this year. This team is perfectly constructed. They knew what the one possible issue could be, would be a backup, you know, center. Or he's certainly powerful, but he's, he's really a center. Is a backup big, is athletic. So they went because they already knew they had Capella, they knew they had Collins. So they went out and got an athletic backup big. Um, obviously helps when you're the sixth pick, but it is what it is. And now you have him that they're out there. And my concern, I I'm gonna say it like this. I, I don't want it to any. I know I'm a Sixers pessimist, blah blah blah, whatever. We'll talk about them in a minute. I don't want it anyways to be construed all way. And Beat is a thousand times better than Randall. Start with that. Get that out the way. But the way that they play is very similar. Now, Embiid is stronger, so he could get more offensive rebounds. And I don't think Capella's going to let him do that. But what I'm, the reason I say that is to say the Hawks now, what they've been doing to Randall, people were like, people don't, haven't been watching as closely, like, what are they doing to Randall that's making them so effective? They're just doubling him. They're doubling yeah. him. He's isolated. They're like, we're not going to just let you stand here and shoot this mid-range jumper. The whole problem that everyone's been complaining about with Wizards is why are we not doubling Embiid? Why are we just letting him sit there and shoot mid-range jumpers? Guess what the Hawks have already shown you they're not going to do that. And then the other issue with the Wizards is that, okay, we double him, and then Tobias or Ben has looks at the basket. The problem with the Hawks is you can do that with a Capella or a Collins, and the other guy is also a rim protector. That is the whole issue with this Hawks team. And that's why defensively, yes, the Knicks aren't great at scoring. I know. I know that. But they're still holding them to, like, 90 a lot, you know, in the playoffs. And the Hawks defense was supposed to be bad. Um, But ever since they McMillan got there, it hasn't been as bad. And they know now what to do on defense. They're rotating quicker. They have two athletic bigs. And Hunter's back. That's the other thing. And a lot of what was happening, this will not work against the Sixers obviously, because Embiid's just too big and strong for him. But they were putting Hunter on Randall. Now, while they won't put Hunter on Randall, they will put him on Tobias. And again, those types of matchups to me, I'm worried. But I want to know what you think. What are you thinking right now if they both – I still think the Knicks are going are gonna to win game five just because they're going to be so loud. And they're going to just not lose. And Randall and Rose are probably going to have to play like 45 minutes. Because that's just what's going to happen today. I just see it. And they're going to take Trey Young out for a little too long at one point and lose like some points. But after the Hawks and Sixers both win their series, which we assume is going to happen, what are you thinking right now? Now, obviously, we'll get into it later. We'll get into the full previews and who you're picking. But what are your just immediate thoughts on that series right now? Man, if if the Sixers, if Joel Embiid's not healthy, and I mean healthy, yep. like he can't be – like hobbled out there, then the Sixers are in trouble. I didn't think that they would be going into the series like you did. I wasn't that worried for them, but the more I watched the Sixers, the more I realized that I'm right. 
Yeah, like it, it's it's gonna be a dog fight with with the Hawks. Like it really is. They have serious issues. This is not like it's funny, right? Mm-hmm. Us Philadelphia fans, we're a lot of things. We get called overly pessimistic a lot. This is just because we're honest with ourselves about the team and their limitations. And the team's like Dom posted what happened when Jalen Brown went down. The the whole post, we we talked about it. Jalen Brown, like they had like basically an obituary. Like their season was over, but their season was already over. If you were looking at the Celtics and watching the play, they weren't beating anybody. They might have been able to avoid the Nets, possibly. But the, the Bucks were gonna crush them. So it's uh whatever, right? But with with me, I've just been called all year, like, oh, you don't, you know, Dom's loud ass. Ah, oh, you don't believe, you don't believe. Well, we can go right to it. Sixers Wizards, Tobias Harris, they lose by eight. And B gets hurt. Oh, wow. Who could have seen this coming? Has a knee injury now. That could be an issue. We'll see if he plays game five. Do you have any reports on that? Because I have no idea what the report is. I'm too scared to look. I'm terrified. No, there there hasn't been any reports yet on his injury. So I think we'll probably hear more within the coming coming. Well, they they have a couple days off, I believe, right? Or is it one day off? Not sure. I'll look it up. But – let me see. Because, by the way, for those wondering, the ESPN app way better than the website. Uh, they play again Wednesday, so they have one day off. Ouch. Yes, man. I'm guess So I did hear that they reported he's going to get an MRI today. So we'll have to wait to see the results of that. So that's going to pretty much determine the severity of the injury. It's been, de- it's been deemed as right knee soreness. So that's – not the worst early diagnosis that you can have. So there's a little optimism he can play in game five, but it's all going to be dependent on what they see in the MRI. Exactly. And so you have that. I. It's tough because here's the whole problem. Here's the whole issue. It's been the issue with the whole team. As much as I want to shit on Benson, at times, and to say that hey, I don't want him to be a Hall of Famer because I don't, not already, but he is. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> the problem is, without either one of them, the team just completely collapses. And because I don't want to say it just without Embiid, because without Embiid, actually, they look better than they did without Simmons. I will say that early in the season, the regular season. But you saw it because without Embiid, he only played 11 minutes, he left the game with the injury. Um, you see, Tobias Harris now has to be the best scorer. Eight for 24, 21 points, 13 rebounds. Ben Simmons has to carry a scoring load. He said, you know, I could do that, or I could just not shoot it that much. So four for five from the field. Oh, and then they were fouling him, because why not? Late in the game, and five for 11 from the free throw line. Who's surprised? Not me. 13 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, because there's no one to pass to. Seth Curry, I told you, scares me. Has to take a lot of threes. Go four from deep. 10 points. Danny Green, who I don't trust. 3 for 8, 11 points. Milton, he's been a disaster. Only played 7 minutes, 2 for 6. Now, we do play Maxi more, but, like, damn. Maxi and George Hill got to save the whole team. They got to save the whole team when, like, we can't score. I don't know. Maxi went out there. He had 15. George Hill had 14. They tried, but, again, this is the whole issue. It's really the scoring and the fact that this dude can't be out here. He can't be. 
Dwight Howard cannot be out here at all. At all. Unless, let me see. Unless you put him out there with a god, I guess. I guess he can be, play him even. But the problem is whenever people see him out there, they go right to his own and they say, guess what? Now you guys have two people out here who can't shoot, whether that be Simmons and Howard or whether that be Thighball and Dwight because we need the perimeter defender, and that's just going to be the case. And Thighball even was two for five, but still a minus. And it's just like, I don't know, man. I just, what else can you say? Um, for the Wizards, though, big win for them. Russ was awful early in this game. He was one for 11, but he, he got a lot better. Three for 19. Um, 19 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists, though, triple-double. I think it's 12th career triple-double. Um, Bradley Beal, 27. He struggled from the field, 23 points. But Rui Hachimura, great. 20 points, 13 rebounds. And Robin Lopez, Captain Hook himself, 8 for 11. <laughs> 16 points. So what did you see after this, out of this game, obviously, you know, with the Embiid injury and everything? Yeah, um, obviously it wasn't the best shooting night for Russell Westbrook, but he still had the ability to be the best rebounder on the floor, which is impressive. Um, so without Joel Embiid out there, if Russell Westbrook is going to be the best rebounder on the floor, it's going to be problems for a game to – it's going to be problems for, for the Sixers because you can't lose that battle. You have to win. You have to – the Sixers have to do what they're dominant at. Rebounding is one of those things. Tobias Harris did have 13. I'm giving credit for that. But we saw they Washington went to Hackett Simmons. We saw the result of that. Not the best. Five of 11 from – five of 11 from the free throw line is bad, but it's not – yeah. It's not the worst free throw percentage ever. Like, I don't think he should have been pulled from the game. Like, that was a little extreme. I kind of agree with Doc Rivers on that one. And it's it's going to be tough for the Sixers because they don't have a lot of shot makers on the team, obviously, without Embiid. So I think the Wizards can get the next game, honestly. If Embiid's not there and Russ is going to be upset because we threw popcorn on him, which we didn't have to do at all, I had no reason mm-hmm. to do that. And I want to make this very clear. There's no reason to ever throw popcorn on someone, but it's not like he stepped on our logo. And it's not like he was even playing well. So idiot did that for no reason. Now Russ is pissed. Now he's got us right where he wants us in game five. A situation where he can snap, still lose the series, and still get called a hero. It's amazing, actually. Um, as he went three for 19, and he's still – I'm not even going to say he's, he wasn't. He was the whole reason they won. If dude's going to just come out of nowhere and get put back dunks all of a sudden, all right. You know, I got nothing yeah. And, and 14 assists to five turnovers, that's a pretty good ratio. Plus one, good job, Russ. Can't even argue with it, but – I think thing, that which we didn't talk I about. think I think when the, the one thing is when Russ gets those defensive rebounds, he's a, he's has the ability to start his own fast break. And okay. I think that's one of the things that you try to eliminate if you're the Sixers because you don't want him to get easy assists, get guys involved early because 
if his shot is falling, then that's good night. That's a big ass, but I get your point. Um, yeah, it's a big ass. It's a big ass. Say though, not to obviously because Russ did have a great game 13 for 16 from the free throw line. That's huge. He normally isn't that good of a free throw shooter, so you know, not 75 for second, he's only about 60 ish. But that's a, that's a great percentage, and they needed all of them. So the Wizards obviously avoiding that sweep. You wonder, and I, I talked to some Wizards fans. I don't think they're very happy about it, to be honest with you, um, because they want to just get swept and have Scott Brooks get fired. Um, and as you see, Scott Brooks, man, he's doing everything he can to keep his job. He said, Russ is the best point guard ever. He then said, I don't know if you heard this one, he said Embiid is the most skilled center of all time. What? Yeah. He said he's the most complete. Sorry. Most complete. Whatever Whatever the fuck he said. Incorrect. I'll, the game is so advanced now that in, like, so many – every every move, pretty much – not every move, but there's been so many moves that – have been created and so much basketball has been archived that it's easy to come to that conclusion, but it's tough to pick him over guys like Wilt and Kareem and Hakeem. And I put those guys ahead of Embiid. He, he, he's not quite there yet, but he has all the potential in the world. He's been in the conference finals. This is just a ridiculous comment for a multitude of reasons. But like I, I mean, said, if you're talking about purely about skill, though, you're not talking about resumes. He's he's off, but it's not the wildest take in the world. It's not as bad as the Russ one. I think it's worse. Russ is at least on his. Not, team. I'm gonna give credit to you to Embiid, man. Embiid is good, dude. He is good. He's great. He just hurt. All the time. Is he more skilled than Jokic? I think there's a more there's a, a different post threat to his game. Like he's more dominant when his back to the basket than Jokic is. I mean, Jokic can give you turnaround fadeaways and all of that, but he can't really drop step and dunk on you. So I think with with that added to Embiid's package. I would probably say, but it, Jokic is so much of a better passer. So that's a good. That's a good. That's a good point. I don't know. I would probably say Jokic. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, moving on to our last game, the Jazz played the Grizzlies last night. Didn't watch it. Didn't have to. Jazz ended up winning one twenty one thirteen. Donovan Mitchell thirty points, eight for twenty two. Clarkson at 24 off the bench, 8 for 18. Gobert, I watched a little bit of it, so I'm not going to lie like that. Gobert had 17, <laughs> 8 rebounds. He started snapping in the second half. I just saw all I needed to see, and I knew where the game was going. Um, ja, 23 points, 12 assists for him. Dylan Brooks, 21. Grayson Allen, 8. So, Darnell, what were your thoughts on this one? It was a tough game for, for the Grizzlies because – they were right there in it, but it just simply came down to that fourth quarter run by the Jazz going on 
taking a seven point lead in that or gaining seven points in that quarter was just pivotal. And Memphis did win the fourth 26 20. They limited, they gave up 41 in the third and 20 in the fourth. So they pretty much cut their offensive production in half in a quarter. So that's a, a positive for the Grizzlies. But when Josh struggling, he was getting a lot of three point attempts, getting a lot of looks, and he just couldn't convert them. He's not the best shooter in the world. We know that. So those are shots that the Jazz are going to live with. And it just seemed like whenever Memphis would make a run, it was either Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert would just make a big play and just kind of bury him. And yeah. it wasn't a night where Joe Ingles had a, a really big imprint on the game, but we saw Clarkson scoring the ball. He hit four threes. Like, they got everything – from everybody that you would expect. Mike Conley, he made some big threes in the fourth. Uh, I think he had two threes. He had six in the quarter. Donovan had six in that quarter. And that's really all it took because it wasn't really a super high-scoring quarter. And when Dylan Brooks and John Morant aren't making shots, then the Grizzlies aren't an offensive threat. But when those guys are hot, they can get hot. So it just wasn't their night. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think with this one, the Jazz, I mean, we've seen it now. They've won three straight when their best players out there. And the difference is, is because now because Donovan's out there, everything's more in rhythm. And him and, him and Clarkson is going to throw up the shots. But and Joe Ingles is going to give Clarkson the ball off the bench. Collins is going to give Donovan the ball or by Donovan's the ball. And they're starting. And Mitchell did have eight assists as well. So obviously he's more of a passer than Clarkson is. <laughs> but yeah, they're just a little deeper than the Grizzlies. They're just better. It's a better team. So I didn't have to watch too much of it. I saw where it was going. I saw right after halftime, I think it was like a three-point lead. And then or the, the Jazz had like a solid five-point lead. Then it went to nine. Then it got to like three. And it just kept teetering right there. And I was like, oh, I see what's happening here. The Jazz is just better. They're just gonna stay about this much better the whole game. Cause even if the Grizzlies get close, someone's going to hit a three or someone's going to hit a play. And one thing we know about the Grizzlies, unless they're playing, you know, a bunch of idiots, they can't really close. This is what we've just seen out over the series. They're, they're young. Jaws isn't that three-point shooter yet. Dylan isn't quite good enough. And they just don't have any closers really on the team. And that's just, honestly, it's what it comes down to. Um, how much else to say? I just think it's a little ridiculous, though. I wish he was here so I could talk to him about it, about that Ja played one game, and now he's suddenly on Donovan's level. It was a little crazy. <laughs> that was one of the wild things. That was one of the most wild things I've heard in the podcast. Because, I mean... The, hey. the, Dom is known for the hot take, but that might be the hottest of takes. That was the dumbest thing he said on the podcast. I'll put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. That Grayson being the best scorer was pretty bad, too. We knew it. We knew it. <laughs> but he says, what? After one game, Grayson is there. But anyway. Um, <laughs> He's going to kill us next podcast with our takes. <laughs> oh, man. I'm looking at the schedule tonight. I'm a little sad. I thought we would get Hawks, Knicks. Then we're getting Celtics, Nets. We got Celtics, Nets, Nuggets, Blazers. That's going seven. And Lakers, Suns, and LTT. 
So bunch of fun games. Uh, what do you think you're going to see out of those threes? I guess pick a winner or give a quick analysis. Um, let's see here. Let me pull up. Yeah. All right. So I'm going with the Nets, obviously. I'm going to take the Nets to win. I think it's going to be a double-digit victory there. I'm going to take Portland over Denver because I think Damian Lillard leads them to victory. I think he has a big shooting night. And for Lakers, Phoenix, I'm going with the Lakers because I think LeBron has one of those games where he just proves Jay Crowder can't guard me. I have a history of abusing Jay Crowder. He's too small. And they have no one else that can really guard me. They have a little bit of defense at the rim with Aiden, but he's not the perimeter, he's not the rim defender that Rudy Gobert is either. So I expect a big night from LeBron and I expect the Lakers to win. One thing that I find very interesting, I'm looking at the spreads right now. Nets minus 12 and a half. So yeah, like you said, double digit win. Um, Nuggets minus two. They're the home team. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking the Nets and the Nuggets. Suns minus five. So if the Suns winning by five, taking the Lakers, taking the Suns. That's a little strange. I kind of want to gamble on that. Not a lot. Yeah, I would t- take it plus five with the Lakers plus five. I would yeah. take that bet. Yeah. So it's looking pretty good, but you know, we'll I like take bets with our group chat. And speaking of which, your boy, thanks to Dom, for some reason, throwing in twenty dollars to cover his own bet about taking the Hawks to beat the Knicks. Your boy's up forty now on this group chat. Nice. Now that being said, I have fifteen dollars. I have a couple more wagers coming up. We got ten on the Nets to make the finals. A little scared about that one because of the Bucks, and. The big one, a lot of people trying to get in on this, but I'm only going to do one because I want to at least, at least leave the playoffs with some dough. So at the very least, I'll leave with $15 total. We got the Hawks beating the Clippers. 15 I don't know, man. That, that Embiid injury might have just paid you off, man. Yeah. Apparently Cam Reddish may come back too. Possibly. Yeah, hey man, guess what? All I heard all season from the group chat from everyone else was the Sixers can go to the finals, which I never agreed with anyway. But the Sixers can go to the finals, barring injury. You know what I've been telling you. Barring injury. (laughs) You are not allowed to use the term barring injury with the Sixers. You're not allowed to do it. Exactly. Because one thing you know, somebody's getting hurt. Somebody. One of the two is getting hurt. They always do. They always do, man. And unfortunately, here we are looking at this. I want us to be healthy, at least. I want my I want to lose my money on this one. Because I still would have made money off these dudes. But I want to be wrong on this one. I really do. I just it is what it is, man. Anyway, you know we had yeah. sixers, sixers podcast. Um, no, nah, but <laughs> Let's get into it. Player of the last two days, game of the last two days, coach, highlight, and dickhead. Um, Carmel, take it away. All right. So, for my player of the last two days, I got to go with Kevin Durant, 42 points against the Boston Celtics. 
he needed they needed all of his scoring because it was a really big night for Jason Tatum as well, who had 40. And I think just his ability to bounce back after getting 50 on his head was impressive because even though he had what did he have the, the last game? 39 or something? 36 that game where K where Jason Tatum had 50. Yeah. So he's been consistently scoring for them, and he makes it look so easy. But I feel like I would be doing a disservice if I didn't give him his credit for this night. So I'm gonna give it to KD for the gate for the coach of the last two nights. I gotta go with Ty Lue because for him to figure out a way to to put in Batum into the starting lineup and start Reggie Jackson, limit the minutes of Patrick Beverly, and still not over or not ask too much of Rondo in the first round. I think he's just he's just doing a masterful job of a coach of coaching the Clippers right now. So I'm gonna go there for my coach. I mean for my game of the last two days, I gotta go with that's the tough one. I gotta go. I'm gonna go Utah, Memphis, just because that's the last game I watched. <laughs> I'm gonna go there because that's the last game I watched. It wasn't the best game in the world either, but I'm going there. And for my highlight of the night, I don't really have a highlight. I'll probably say Kyrie stepping on the Celtics logo. <laughs> Was my highlight of the night? Your <laughs> because that was a turn of events I didn't see coming. I didn't think he would poke the bear like that and troll the Boston fans, and then we would get the post game excerpts that we did from him and KD about how they were just glad to get out of there. So I'm going there for my highlight of the night. If my dickhead of the night, it's the Sixers fan. No, was it a Sixer fan? The Wizards fan, man. The Wizard fan. The Wizards fan. In the Sixers Wizards game, the Wizards fan for running on the court and trying to slap glass, dude. He's trying to do. Yes, like if you're gonna run on the floor, and you've really taken the, the time to run on the NBA court, grab the rim, dude. And if you can't grab the rim, don't go out there and try to touch the touch, don't touch the goalpost at all. Yeah. Like. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have no bounce. You barely touch the glass. It's like, come on, man. Get out of here with that, man. I'm not running. You get it. And then you got tackled by this fat security guard who was jogging the whole time. Like, man, you showed no athletic ability in an athletic match amongst professionals. Try to steal the spotlight. You get taken. My uh, player the last two days, I'm going to go Kyrie Irving. Or stepping on the logo and scoring 39 and 11. Um, heard, heard the murmurs. It wasn't noise. They were whispers. They were, hey, yo, bro, hey, Kyrie, what's happening, bro? And then he just said, shut up. Got this. And we can continue to talk about the fans. They just better win this game five. That's all I know. But they probably will by like 20. But I'm just saying, they just better. My only little thing about that. But my coach the last two days, Ty Lue has been amazing, but I'm actually going to go with another coach that we've been disrespecting, Monty Williams, because you know what? At the end of the day, yes, 
Yes, AD's hurt, but damn it, the Suns dealt with an injury to their MVP too. And he pulled the right string. He was like, he wanted to sit Chris Paul. And Chris Paul had to be like, no, don't sit me. He's like, all right, well, I need something from you if you want to play. And Chris Paul gave him everything he needed. So right now, Monty man pulling the right strings to all you gotta, all you want to be is in position. And now it's a best of three. And they're in position with the defending world champs. It's a great job out of Monty. Um, my game the last two days, I'm actually gonna go Celtics Nets just because it was most entertaining. I was watching Tatum, KD, Kyrie just go crazy. It was, it was, it really was like, oh, so no one's gonna miss a shot. It was, you were just waiting for someone to miss more than you were just like expecting people to make it. You're like, is anyone gonna miss anything out here? All right. <laughs> the answer was pretty much no. Um, not unless they were the role players. Um, <laughs> My highlight of the last two days, I'm going with, I don't even know. Nah, it was the last two days. It was, I think it was Sunday, I'm pretty sure. Trey Young hitting a shot and then hitting him with the burr, the cold, putting his hands up, arms, <laughs> saying, man, that's cold. Every time he hits a shot, man, in this group chat, I just, all I type is ice, ice. All you gotta do is just just tweet the emoji, man. I got three of them. I got I got three of them. I really do a lot of them. All right, I'm gonna go in order. Three Scott Brooks for what he already said about Embiid. I don't care. He the only reason he's my dickhead is because of why he said it. And either either he believes it, which makes him a dickhead, or he's trying to save his job. And either way, he said it twice. Two, Jalen Rose. I'm officially done listening to ESPN at halftime. I can't do it. Can't do what it. What did he say now? He just keeps singing, and I'm fucking fed up with it. I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm sitting there watching the game, trying to eat my food. Not me. It's good. I think it was actually the Hawks' next game. And then not only does he – because, by the way, I, I wanted to see what it would look like in the postseason. And Jay, Jay Williams be out there, right? He's the other guy they put up there. He gives you insight. He forces Dalen Rose to give at least some sort of insight. And then, of course, we get to the point where it's about to end. Half time's about to be over. I'm like, okay, cool. And, and they even you, – you see what ESPN does, right? They put, the, they put their announcers on after the first commercial break, try to cut halftime down. And then right before halftime ends. So they try to put Jalen up there as little as possible. <laughs> then he just goes up there every fucking time and sings. And sings lyrics wrong on songs. Like, like not even, not even, he doesn't even do the lyrics right. That's the worst part. That's, I'm done. I'm fed up. I've had enough. No more. No more Jalen Rose. I'm done. Done. Tweeted it. Like, yeah, I'm not watching any more halftime shows. No more. None for BSPN. I'm sorry. Y'all are, y'all are cooked. Y'all are done. Your announcers actually are better. I will give ESPN that. They're better than the TNT announcers. That's why they have them on all the time. So I get to see damn long 15-minute pregame shits. I hate that, too. ESPN really making me mad. I actually maybe should have gotten one. But Jalen Rose specifically, dude, I can't. I can't do it anymore. I really can't. Straight you know time. what? You know what ESPN, what pisses me, not pisses me off, but I hate about ESPN sometimes is when I watch a YouTube and I click on a video from the jump and it's just, 
and Rachel Nichols is talking for like five minutes. And then the next thing I know, the video ends. And it's like, <laughs> what, what? So that was just Rachel Nichols just on a spiel for like five minutes. Like I'm thinking she's building something up. And then she just keeps talking and it never ends. And it's just like, can I get some analysis here? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you get Rachel Nichols. Yeah, Rachel Nichols, man. You fought for that. I've never seen a jump clip, though, so I don't understand your pain. I'm sorry. I don't watch ESPN clips. I'm straight FS1. FS1, do or die. Speak for yourself. Other than us, best best show out there. Stand by. Oh, you're an Acho fan, huh? Dude, have you seen Speak for Yourself? Yeah. It's not that I'm – it's, it's, it's part that I'm an Acho fan. I'm a Wiley fan, too. But it's also when they don't know what they're talking about, they just bring on Chris Broussard or Rick Buecher. True. We even though they sometimes don't know what they're talking about. They at least watch. We don't know what we're talking about all the time, but they at least watch. So, fuck it. You know what? Whatever. We were all wrong about the Clippers. So, and Wiley was right about that. Say, man, you know what? At the end of the day, they do say stuff about basketball. I'm like, ah, yeah, I was wrong. Y'all were right. For real. I don't don't like that show, mainly because Wiley hates home Baker Mayfield so much. Huh? And it drives me crazy. <laughs> he doesn't hate on him. He just said he's not elite. He said Baker was like the 12th or 11th best quarterback in the league. He did say that. But if you go back to what he said, like the last three years at least, right. yeah. it's too much. He's too much of a hater. You're right. You're right. There's a lot of hate in there. There's a lot of hate in there. That is the one person. That's the one dude he has hits his lag is Baker. Baker hates it. And FS1 is known for Baker hatred. That's true. But <laughs> not skip. True. True. Um, and my last dickhead of the day, real quick. It goes to the fans. What are we doing? Getting scary now. It really is. We just don't we just don't need it. We just don't need it. Just relax. Just calm down, watch the game, just fucking go home. Because the fact that the point though, that's like that's the thing though, right? Like it's tough to ask them to just go to the games and then go home because they've been home so long that they get out the house and they want to act like animals. Not that I'm excusing their behavior. Models and shit. But a part of part of this was expected that it would be a little bit of an adjustment period before things got quite back to normal. I think it's just a lot of pent up energy right now, and that's what we're seeing. I think, but I think the guy last night was just a result of him trying to jump on the wave and be something newest. But that's what I'm saying. Thing. That's my point. Is like yeah. it's getting closer to something bad happening. League, you gotta do something, man. God, hey, this is getting a little, this is getting a little risky out here, for real. That's all I'm saying. So they're my number one weekends. Even though as bad as they've been, I still think Jalen might have been worse. I listened to the, I really tried, and I listened to it for two minutes. Ruined it. Ruined everything. Ruined my entire appetite and my joy for the game. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um. 
Lumia Sports. Hey, I'm gonna try. We will try. I think we're gonna do it. We're gonna be back here tomorrow because we got to. It's a LeBron game five. I'm gonna do everything I can to get this to get this ship rolling again. But for Darnell Jones, this was Demetrius, and I hope you enjoy it. Later. Double D's, deuce.